Coach Bob, and you're listening to the Bear Weather Fans Podcast. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. We're we're not going to be able to keep up the energy the whole time, but I really want to come in swinging. I completely agree. I, I don't know if I can do that, but uh, I'll, I'll, try, <laughs> I'll try to match your level here. Yeah, start with like um, radio morning DJ Tariq Cohen in the backfield energy and end with like kind of Charles Leno energy. You're just kind of there. Yeah, that, that negative play. <laughs> right. God, I don't know why I'm crapping on. He's a fine player. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you're listening to the Bear Weather Fans Podcast. Um, Joan, of course, is Coach Bob. I'm Patrick. Let's talk about the Bears. Uh, so we're recording this on Wednesday, August 18th. And there's a little bit of news. Uh, actually, this past week, um, something called Justin Fields. I don't know. Are you familiar with him, Bob? Uh, I am. Yeah. No, I am, uh, like many people in Chicago, super excited for Justin Fields. I, I think uh, the city went insane when the news broke that they traded up to get him <laughs> at 11th. Yeah. Arguably the only trade up Ryan Pace has made that I was like, yes, yes. Absolutely. I mean, he didn't give up the farm. I felt like pre-draft, he was the number two overall pick. And I watched the Ohio State Clemson game and thought, is he the number two pick? But, you know, uh, I'm not that guy in the organization. So (laughs) I'm just a fan. I feel like, so obviously number one being Trevor Lawrence. I feel like, and this is a reference that will scan for you and like four other people. He, uh, our boy Justin Fields is the Goku to Trevor Lawrence's Vegeta. <laughs> oh my gosh, totally. <laughs> we're like, I love that so much. <laughs> oh my gosh, I think you were the guy in college. Side note here, uh, that taught me that all those characters were named after vegetables. I oh, think yeah. that was you. <laughs> uh, well, it's Evan Jenkins alert, but um, that's for later on. Um, sorry, it's a terrible joke, but yeah, so I mean, it's all good. <laughs> so we learned through the, the scripture, according to Dragon Ball Z, that Trevor Lawrence, the prince, um, you know, he's a little cocky and he thought he had it all just because he was born into greatness. And meanwhile, the other guy was working and uh, Justin Fields is working. He sure is. Uh, and, uh, he was working in the first preseason game. Yes, that was, man, that was so awesome. How so how long into his play were you like, okay, yeah, okay, we're good, yeah? I don't know. It did take me a little while. I mean, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong on this, it was three three-and-outs to get started. Um, and yeah. it was one of those where I was like, okay, I mean, it's his first time out there. Uh, but then, yeah, his post game kind of confused me on that. But in terms of the evolution of the game, um, I don't know. He did throw a few passes that I thought were – should have been caught, you know, early on, even when things were stalling, I was like, I kind of, I kind of liked the way that looked. I kind of liked his poise. I kind of liked how often he went to check downs. Honestly, I think that's it. I think he went three and out like three times. And then on the next few drives, he ended in check downs, but it looked like he got through progressions and then landed on a check down. And I was fine with that. Yeah. So yeah, definitely the progressions, the like very obviously reading the defense as opposed to um, standing terrified in the pocket and waiting for pressure so that he has an excuse to bail like not throwing shit at anybody but um yeah for me it was like I felt like the game was a simulation of the experience of uh, having bipolar where like I was so excited like oh my god Justin Fields is going into the game and then it was like 
like two false starts and then like he like fled the pocket like fumbled and then like threw what should have been intercepted. it was like every mistake that one person could make he made back to back just one after another and uh which is awesome because you know uh, football guys say you got to get those mistakes out of the way and he got them all out of the way immediately um mistakes that i didn't even didn't even occur to me who's gonna go for but then then all of a sudden so i was like went from super high to super low and then right back up as he, you know, starts using that absolute cannon. And uh, he, there's one play where he's like, you know, he's like you said, he's doing his actual read and you can tell him like his eyes moving around the field and he decides, you know, I'm going to try and make some, uh, buy some time. He starts going to the left and this poor defensive end is like, you know, second stringer. He's close to 400 pounds. Like, all right, time for me to go tackle his QB. And Justin Fields just looks like a gazelle, just like darting past him. Like, oh, you can see the light die from his eyes a little bit. He, he sure did look fast. Um, and yeah, a couple of things there that I that I noticed. I'll agree with you on all that. I was uh, pretty disappointed with uh, the ball security, but, you know, that's me being way too critical um, <laughs> uh, for a first, first action situation there. But um the near pick was a, a pretty funny one for me because I felt like the throw was decent and uh, the receiver went down and then it looks really bad. But at the, if that's the one you're talking about, which I feel like it is, right. yeah. um, but the, the back end of that, which is kind of a, a funny small world thing, the guy that broke up the pass is Clayton Fedulum and he's the nephew of my coworker. So I was like also kind of excited for him in that play, um, you know, cause I've been following his career ever since he's been drafted. Oh yeah, that's hilarious. I forgot about that actually. That's great. Yeah. So we're getting into today's episode. We kind of talk about uh, the news this week. Uh, we're going to go into a little bit of the general context of where we are in the season and how that checks out to this time in previous years and go into the position battle a little bit and end up with looking ahead. Um, some other news this week, and this was pretty recent, so I'm not sure how glued in you are to um, Twitter because you have a, a life and a family, so I assume not. Um, but did you hear about Tevin Jenkins today? I did hear about Tevin Jenkins. Um, I, I will say that I was more uh, in tune today than normal, mostly because of this, but also because um, instead of actually doing my job today, I, I mostly uh, navigated <laughs> Bears news. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be right to do so. No, it was uh, it was a bummer. I mean, definitely... So did you hear like Matt and Maggie come out in an interview? First of all, backing up a little bit. As soon as like as soon as uh, Tevin Jenkins was out missing any kind of practice, like any kind of camp, anything, people were like, mm, it's the next Chris Williams. And uh, for those of you who aren't like don't spend all of your life obsessing about Bears draft picks, Chris Williams was chosen in 2008. Turns out he had pre-existing back condition that they supposedly knew about when they drafted him. And it turns out he missed basically all of his first two years, I think, at least. And uh, anyway, ended up not having much of a career as a bust. It was unfortunate. Um, so as soon as Tevin Jenkins, you know, started missing time, people were like, oh, my gosh, he's the next Chris Williams. And it's like, OK, take it easy, guys. Like, this is one thing in common. And then you find out, like, Matt Nagy goes in the podium today. It's like, yep, turns out he had a pre-existing bad condition and we knew about it, but we drafted him anyway. <laughs> And now he's going to have surgery and miss the season. Like, God damn it. Yeah, that sure, that sure sounded familiar when you were telling me that, uh, that history, brief history, which I did not know. But, uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, when the news broke that he's having back surgery, they knew about it. I mean, I get, 
I kind of get it still. I mean, you know, a back surgery is something that I don't think I would um, necessarily go after there, especially that high of a pick. But um, I will say that there was a bunch of, you know, word as to why he slid in the draft anyway, you know, because basically the news was before the back came out, we stole a first round lineman in the second round. And then it comes out, oh, well, we, we all knew that he had a bad back. Well, that's why he slid. And that's interesting because that actually matters a lot. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, that was sad news, especially because, um, and I'm sure you have more on this than I do, but uh, word is that the uh, Bears line, O-line in particular, is uh, decimated, <laughs> I think is the right word. So, you know, getting a, getting a potential or probable season ending injury in the, like, you know, or finding out about it in the preseason, just, uh, it doesn't bode well in that, in that arena. Right. For sure. Well, that actually brings us to, uh, one of the games, one of the segments that I want to play today. Um, hold on. Let me make sure I get my, uh, my soundboard queued up here. Okay. Bear with a fan segment. Name a healthy line. I love those so much. <laughs> so, Bob, uh, I'm going to read off the starting linemen from the Bears 2000, let's do 2019, because they're very memorable. They played for years. We know them all, love them. Um, so, at left tackle, we had Charles Leno. At left guard, I think we had James Daniels. At center, we had Cody Whitehair. Uh, right guard, we had Kyle Long for the start of the season, at least. And right tackle, we had Bobby Massey. So knowing those just two seasons ago, uh, name one healthy lineman who's on the Bears. Can you do it? Um, I think so. Give me one second. Sure. Uh, I want to say that I saw that Daniels is back. Is Chase Daniels back yet? Um, let's see. James Daniels. Or James Daniels, yeah. sorry. I want to say that I saw <laughs> that he yeah. came back. Like, like I got that in the same news bite as I got Tevin Jenkins. Now, I don't know if it was, yeah. like, today. So that may be a... I picture yeah. Matt Nagy being like, for the love of God, just get out there, son. Like, but I'm not like, get out there. Like we Yes. <laughs> I, I also feel like, uh, uh, to your credit here, you know, I, I just read some of these names, too. And the, the problem is I don't recognize any of them um, because... Uh, we have a 39-year-old on the line right now, and he's <laughs> apparently, uh, you know, teaching everybody. And uh, I, 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 the the name escapes me of our our new left tackle. Um, that is, yeah, I think it's with an L or something. Our new yeah left tackle, yeah, just, first string. Mm-hmm. So what do we got here? What do we got here? I did a horrible job. No, you're doing great. Um, so if James <laughs> Daniels is in fact healthy, which I'm questionable but i i believe you so i believe that somewhere someone said he was healthy rather he is um so left tackle um so the chicago audible is a great podcast that um they're obsessive they send people to every training camp to report on like religiously so as of earlier today they're saying the starting line was left tackle arlington hambright uh okay they said cody whitehair was in today but he's at left guard um, and the like, the dude who saved their season last year, Sam Mustafer, is playing center. Um, and then, uh, let's see, right tackle was Alex Bars and uh, Dieter Estland, I think, is right guard, a man who I don't think exists, but they're just like seeing full yeah, color bullshit. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's the Bears. I mean, I'm trying to think of what the priority is as far as, like, the most important unit in football. But, like, since the offensive line determines passing and running, it's arguably the most important position group in football. I guess second to quarterback. Uh, yeah, so it's funny that you say that because I actually uh, have for a while believed that O-line is, in fact, the most important position group in football. Now, that's that's a big uh, ask. That's not to say any one lineman is more important than the quarterback, because I think we can all agree it's the quarterback. But right. um, if you have five good O-linemen, your team is, like, by default good. Because exactly like you just said, you're going to you're gonna give a quarterback all kinds of time. You're going to give uh, running back uh, running lanes. And uh, I, I think it's true for pretty much any NFL caliber quarterback if you have time you're a good quarterback and when you don't have time you're not a good quarterback and that's like almost all quarterbacks now the absolute elite can do it without time and you know time will tell if the Bears have one of those on their roster Uh, I'm excited and think they do but uh, boy does it make it look more difficult I mean I'll I'll take a little side note here Um, I don't think I'm going out on too big of a limb by saying that I feel like right now in this moment, the best quarterback in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes. And when I watched the Super Bowl last year, I may be in a small group that thought he actually was the best player on the field despite less than stellar stats and a loss and all that stuff. I thought he was truly spectacular, but you can't overcome everything. I mean, he was, I, I think I saw that he ran like 497 yards during the game or whatever they kept posting. <laughs> he was like a soccer because player like, at that point. Yes, yes, just because of how much he had to run behind that line of scrimmage. <laughs> but, like, I mean, it, it's just one of those things where if, if you don't have time to throw, you're in trouble, and the O-line is so critical. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, I kind of, while like, you know, in my heart, I want Justin Fields to play every second of every day because I want to watch him be a superstar. Right. Um, I also understand if the O-line is a complete disaster game one, uh, are we really going to throw Justin Fields out for his first game against Aaron Donald and the Rams? Right. Because... I don't know that that's good for anybody. <laughs> it's good for Aaron Donald. It is. It is good for Aaron Donald yeah, and some uh, some sacks in game one. Right, right. I want to get you know get come out early on my stat sheet so I can coast into the Pro Bowl. Meanwhile, Justin Fields is like two inches below the turf. Like, please help me. Yes. Um. Yeah. So there's yeah. There's a lot of points there. One of them being. Uh, so Andy Dalton. The reason we have him is because he's not a great QB. That's why he was available. Um, but he, his team did succeed in going to the playoffs, like, in my opinion, almost entirely because their offensive line was so good. And that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, meanwhile, you have the best QB in the game, like you said, arguably in the Super Bowl losing because of their offensive line being crap. And then you have somebody like Andy Dalton, who's so many tiers below Patrick Mahomes, like, going to the playoffs because of their offensive line. Like, it's one of those things that, yeah, you spend so much of your time and energy focusing on the QB. But, uh, yeah, it's so important. <sighs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, some other notable uh, Bears offensive linemen that uh, have been drafted in the first round. Uh, before, I guess Tevin Jenkins was second round. Before him was Kyle Long, who was drafted in the first round, Phil Emery pick, um, who played, I think, the last, like, nine seasons he was here, he was on IR. He, uh, no. Nah. That sounds about <laughs> right. Maybe more than nine. Um, 
I mean, he was good when he was healthy, yeah. which is a huge qualifier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I also I also do need to clarify really quickly, and uh, my my comments about the Super Bowl is not to try to create a huge following of fans that hate me because I said Patrick Mahomes is better than Tom Brady. <laughs> I was claiming that in that one game and today, you know, yeah. when Tom Brady's forty three years old and Patrick Mahomes is nearly in his prime. Right. But anyway, yeah, just uh, just to throw that out there, not that they've achieved the same things by any means. Uh, think of the qualifier. I'm glad you didn't say the guy up north because um, that's always a hard one to admit. But um, yeah, he's he's good. But I, I yeah, I don't think I can say his name for a while. <laughs> the Jeopardy host. Um, yes, that guy. So I don't know why I was so mean to Kyle Long. He's awesome. I love him. But uh, yeah, so he he had. Uh, oopsies. Did, how's my audio? Did I lose you? It's good. Cool, yeah, cool. I, yeah. Just cut out for one second. Cool, cool. But it's all good. All right. Uh, so Kyle Long was awesome, but he did have his injury issues. Um, Here's a basically theory I'm going to throw out there. You tell me, speaking of Tom Brady, are you familiar with uh, the portrait of Dorian Gray? I am not. So Not very cultured. <laughs> um, well, you got the Dragon Ball Z reference, which is one of the I did, yeah. Again, I don't know if that makes me cultured. <laughs> you get the Bearweather fan stamp of cultured approval. You're fine. So the portrait of Dorian Gray was where uh, this person was leaving a very damaging life, and they had an enchanted portrait that basically accepted all of the damage they were taking. So they were, like, uh, doing crazy shit, being whatever, terrible, getting fights, all that, but um, they were not getting any damage because it's all going towards this portrait. And so they had this portrait that was just, like, slowly eroding away in place of them, and they were immortal as long as this portrait was still there, just taking all their damage. So, my theory, and I'm just going to put this out there, uh, is that Tom Brady is Dorian Gray, and he's using Bears linemen to absorb all of his, all of his damage. Um, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, so, so he is somehow able to survive at 43 years old. Right. I, in the NFL. Like, I, I'm telling you, at 32, that there's a... F- 50 to 99% chance that when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to be sore because my bed did damage. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And somehow he can play in the NFL at 43 years old. So (laughs) it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's insane. (sighs) Yeah, because I don't know. I buy that. Yeah. We have, so like Mark Colombo is somebody who the Bears drafted, I think, in 2003, promptly tore his ACL. Uh, Tom Brady, notably. Uh, played a Super Bowl with supposedly torn ACL. How does he do that? Hmm. Hmm. I like your theories. This is very well thought out. This is impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um. Yeah. I mean, there's quite a few I could go through. Chris Williams, Kyle Long, Gabe Cramey. There's. We have a long tortured history of linemen being horrifically injured, and uh, part of that might be because when we do have healthy linemen, we ship them off so that we can. Uh, taking 39-year-old tight ends, but um, that's not how you're there. One thing I wanted to read to you, um, so you're right that we, we uh, signed that new left tackle. Um, I wanted to read to you the retiring words of Joe Thomas, feature Hall of Fame left tackle for the Browns. Um, his experience his last few seasons. Uh, so Joe Thomas, this is um, from brownzone.com. Uh, do 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 had excruciating bone pain. 
Um, let's get through. I've had knee scopes, ACL surgeries, elbow surgery, countless ligament tears, muscle tears, arthritis in every joint of my body. I'd be the first guy in the building and the last guy to leave because it took me all day, literally, to get my body somewhat ready to be able to play on Sundays. So, there's a lot he's talking about. It goes on for a while, and it's like honestly kind of gruesome. How old do you think he is when he was experiencing this? He's a lineman, left tackle. Yes, sir. Left tackle. This is when he decided to retire. Yeah, yeah. I got to believe he was like, just based on that and your point, I mean, I'd guess like 33. Oh, my gosh. You're incredible. (laughs) He's exactly 33. So, with that in mind, that's our barometer. The Bears did sign yeah. left tackle Jason Peters. How old is he? I think I saw, is he 39? <laughs> He's 39 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's madness. That's so it's old. so great. I mean, like Tom Brady's one thing. He's wearing, is it the red shirt at practice, the non-contact? Right, he's wearing that. Man, if he, yeah. yeah, 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 he's wearing it during the games yeah. too. Let's all be honest. <laughs> right. But, but, to play left tackle... <laughs> against the likes of Khalil Mack and whoever else, like at 39 years old, like I said, like I said, at 32, sleeping causes a lot of damage for me if it, if it goes wrong. Yep. So, uh, you know, insane. I, I seriously cannot fathom. It's <laughs> great. Well, we've been talking a little bit about uh, we transition kind of from the most recent news, um, but before we do, I want to talk about. Uh, let's see here. I want to talk about this week in Bears history. Ah, here we go. Okay. <laughs> so this week in Bears history, uh, 2018, exactly three years ago, this exact week, um, our buddy Anthony Miller got in his first fist fight. Isn't that great? In training camp. I think it's special. It, it is, yeah. I like that competitiveness, you know? <laughs> Um, let's see, Adam Johns tweeted out uh, August 16th, the Bears-Broncos joint practice day two. We have fights during special teams drills. Anthony Miller threw a punch to the Broncos player who couldn't see. Uh, Nagy called all the players together, and he spoke individually to Miller. Um, anyway, good thing it never came up again, just a fun thing. So, so he punched an opposing player, not his teammate. Yeah, so... It was, a, it was a Broncos player at practice. <laughs> yeah. That makes it way worse. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what the good good version of that would look like, and I'm drawing a blank. But um. well, yeah, I was just trying to draw from my uh, my experience with maybe he was trying to channel his inner Michael Jordan. He, you know, he hadn't probably seen the Last Dance documentary because it wasn't released yet. Sure. But all the footage was there, and he probably heard about those Michael Jordan fights at practice and <laughs> building respect. That doesn't really work when they're not on your team. That's where I was going with that. <laughs> fair, fair. Okay, so that was this week in uh, Bears history, 2018. Looking back a little bit more, 2015. This same week, uh, Kevin White. Let's see. So we have a Chicago Sun-Times article wondering if he is going to play in the second preseason game. Um, just fun to get a sense of where we were at different points in time. Um, they are talking about... Let's see. The title of the Do you article. remember how good Kevin White was going to be? He was going to be so good, man. He was going to be so good. So this article yeah. from Patrick Finley, August 2015, um, is about Kevin White close to returning. Um, and I still don't know if he is. 
But that's where we were in August 2015. Uh, August, I'm sorry, you were talking about Kevin White. I interrupted to be snarky. No, no, you're all good. <laughs> I interrupted you. Yeah, I just, I, I, I remember hearing all the buzz about, I don't remember what pick he was. Uh, was he like seventh? He was so Eighth? high. He was, some, Seriously. he was something crazy. Yeah. And I remember being like, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like a wide receiver is a bold move there. Um, you know, unless somehow you know something that everyone else doesn't know that this is a generational wide receiver. Um, I, I don't know that I fully buy into the whole, like, you can't select certain positions super high or whatever. Um, but, man, that did not work out for the Chicago Bears. That did not work out. And I think one thing I will say about that is it makes me feel better about not tanking when I see teams who tank or I see fans who are like no they need to lose all their games like I don't care if it's not fun like we need to get a higher pick and you see how random and how much noise there is and how much it comes down to like part luck and part like systems like looking at the best quarterback out of each draft class even from the past like six years it's always like it's never the first QB taken like Justin Fields is like the 10th QB taken <laughs> and like right and he's gonna be the best no, one I hear you <laughs> mm-hmm I, I sure hope so. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm with you there. I'll say, you know, I I follow other sports closely too, not just the Bears, but like yeah. in basketball in particular. Um, I understand why basketball has to have a lottery. I truly believe they have to have a lottery because in basketball, getting top picks absolutely aligns with superstars. Yeah. Like, you know, generational talents are taken in the top five. I'm not saying people don't slip, but it is just so much easier to pick. Um, There's busts. There's people that come from the second round. You know, I get it. But, man, if you look at, like, a lot of the top players, you – they're all, not all, but a lot of them are in the top five of just picked it that high. Where in football, I am with you 100%. You don't tank in football. You do not tank in football. Any given year, a team can go from worst to first. Um, that kind of thing does not happen in the NBA unless you unless you get like three all stars in free agency, like Brooklyn did, and they weren't even worst. But yeah, 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 I totally agree. It's like yeah, everyone's only get yeah Giannis who just flies by under the radar. But even he grew like six inches and like added seventy pounds like after he was drafted. Like for every one of those, yeah, Giannis is absolutely an exception. Yeah. Jimmy Butler was an exception. Yeah. Draymond Green's an exception. But the point is, in the NBA, top picks translate to superstars. In the NFL, top picks do not always translate to superstars. And in basketball. In the playoffs, it comes down to an eight-man rotation, probably. So if you get like two or three studs, that's most of your team, right. at least most of your minutes. Where in football, I, I don't know the exact, uh, but like, what are they playing? Thirty got thirty, thirty-five guys a game on a fifty-three-man <laughs> roster. Right. There's only so many draft picks. I mean, you're you're moving up a spot in the round, like you're still getting a pick before any other team gets a second pick, you know, unless you're trading your picks. It's just not worth tanking in the NFL. I firmly believe be competitive and always try to be the best in football. Plus it makes so much difference come free agent time to be like, oh, they're like, you know, they're always contenders as opposed to, oh God, they had the first overall pick. Like uh, getting one Trevor Lawrence isn't worth it. Or like when, uh, the Miami Dolphins went into their tank mode, and then like everyone who 
could possibly get out demanded a trade. Absolutely. Yeah, one player is not worth that in football. It's not even close. Right. Football is so much more a team game. It's why it's so much fun to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I'll just reiterate. I firmly believe you do not tank in football. You try to win games. You try to get better with every move. And uh, and in football, again, more than any other sport, you have to build a winning culture. Like you said, just constant winning. I mean, I don't like to admit it, but the Patriots of two decades, the last two decades, all they did was win football games. Right. And like sustained success is possible in the NFL, and that that is the the formula. Uh, the Bears for the last two decades have not been the model of sustained success unfortunately but they sure have been uh the team that i pull for <laughs> well, we appreciate that um otherwise this podcast would be much more awkward okay <laughs> looking at some of the other weeks in history of weeks in bear history we talked about uh 2018 this week uh anthony miller got his fight 2015 kevin white had a surgery was uh still thought to be going into the preseason uh, and actually eddie jackson ended up joining his team with uh Team Rodden League, so you never know. Uh, see, 2017, Trubisky had his first preseason start. Everyone firmly believed he was going to be the next great court QB, uh, including Erlocker and Dick. Er, yeah, Brian Erlocker, you're seeing tweeting out, uh, you're going to have a parade with uh, Owen Krutz and Trubisky. Um, looking at- I know one other guy that was all in on the Mitch Trubisky <sighs> bandwagon. Who could remember? Who could? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I just remember one of my friends from college sent me these gifts, all these gifts of Mitchell Trubitsky, and just said these were all pre-filmed for when he makes it big, and they're just going <laughs> to use them all the time. This man is going to take over the world. Yep. Uh, so my question for you, Patrick, do you know who that person was? <sighs> well, I want to say that my Twitter handle for... Not just his entire time being a QB, but for like a full six months after we got rid of him, was still a Trubisky enthusiast. Um, so it's been <laughs> That's tough. Incredible. <laughs> it's, That's incredible. It's been like it's been pretty hard. Uh, I'm moving on, and like Justin's incredible, but it's kind of like uh, getting out of like a, a really tough breakup. You're like, I'm not quite. I, I still am afraid of getting hurt again. You know. I completely understand. I have to believe that's how you feel based on how I know you felt. <laughs> but, uh, and I will say, like, so it's pretty interesting. I went back and watched um, Trubisky's preseason game because I enjoy pain and tormenting myself. And I went back and we watched, um, oh, Fields' throws. And I will say that Trubisky's game was more consistent looked better. Like, if you were just watching, like, yeah, he, he's running around, he's making good throws, he's doing everything. Um, what I went down and took track of was what kind of play they were executing. So, like, Trubisky, it's like, okay, that's a good throw, that's a good throw, that's a good throw. But every single play was either a play action, a simplified read, or a bootleg, where it's like, you know, you have built-in timing and you have a built-in, you know, simple read. Uh, and half of the field. Yeah, it's this yeah, half field read and he has some kind of bootleg that's out of the field and he has, you know, basically an out route or maybe um like an outside slant. And that was almost every single throw. Like towards the end they got him to do a couple of like, you know, sit in the pocket and read and he looked kinda shaky, so basically came down to what they asked him to do and he he did very well at the things they originally asked him to do, but it was kind of also a warning sign of things to come that 
he couldn't do anything else. In fact, if you asked him to do a full field raid, he was going to just kind of implode and going to airmail deep balls, and it's going to be a disaster. Whereas, Justin Fields went back and watched all this stuff, and he, um, you know, he's obviously a little bit rough at first, but he began executing at a really high level lots of different things, where you see him going through those reads we talked about, you see him um, doing the bootlegs, but you also see him staying in the pocket, you see him uh, throwing the different routes, it seems like he he was showing an entire toolkit, whereas Trubisky was just showing a hammer, you know. I, I... I love it. Yeah, I, uh, I get exactly what you're saying, and I'm I'm glad you have that side by side. I I don't, um, but yeah, I I agree with you. And uh, you know, one thing again, I'm not I'm not here to try to throw shade at everybody else on the Bears. Um, but one of my thoughts watching the game was if or was I was asking myself is is Justin Fields coming to these checkdowns because the guys he's throwing to are not open right now, right? And, you know, like and when he has Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson, those first few reads downfield may be more open and not guaranteed because they're going to be going against first string defensive backs and safeties as well. But um, I really like our wide receiver core and I feel like there's a chance they're a little bit more open. He can, you know, execute on some of those first second reads as opposed to coming down to the checkdowns. And I don't know if that was me making excuses because I'm really excited about Justin Fields. And I was like, man, if these receivers could get open, he'd look even better. But that was kind of one of my thoughts. Sure. Uh, running through, actually, I want to jump on what you were talking about. But first, I want to cap out some of the other uh, this week in history. Um, looking outside of the Bears, um, I was looking at archive.org, at seeing the Chicago Tribune headlines at different years just to get a sense of what the vibe was. Uh, I went to 2003 to see what Grossman's uh, consensus was when he was, uh, you know, young QB. Um, and the first headline that popped up was, uh, Putin says no to Iraq aid. So I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> just going to say <laughs> that uh, 18 years ago, that was the... That was the big news. So he wasn't sexy Rexy yet. <laughs> it wasn't sexy Rexy yet. They did talk about him a little bit. Um, actually, one of the big um, it was it kind of cracked me up. One of the big headlines was uh, John Shoup installs uh, QB run options, and it was uh, a writer like very sincerely talking about like you know the future of the NFL. They're going to have run options in an offense to allow athletic QBs to capitalize on it, and that was in 2003. And uh, since then, I think I've seen, you know, maybe four QB run options <laughs> executed <laughs> in my time as a Bears fan. Also, I, I, with the recent history of our quarterbacks, Rex Grossman doesn't feel like an athletic quarterback compared <laughs> right. to some of the guys we've had. Yeah, and actually, yeah, you're right. I uh, This was in conversation about, uh, I think, Cordero Stewart. Um, yeah, Cordero Stewart. Uh, but, yeah, there was... Yeah, that, that's a very good call. I can't picture Rex, especially his, his late career Rex, where he just kind of got wider and wider, and he became like kind of just a cannon. Like he's just gonna rotate on the spot. But do you remember those few games where it worked out? <laughs> it was so great, man. <laughs> it was so great. <sighs> yeah, he definitely he thrived sometimes. <laughs> he had his he had his moments. <laughs> Let's see, there's also a headline about uh, Des White, the big uh, receiver battle. I do this not to crap on people in the past or to make us sad, but to point out, because there's a lot of buzz right now about people making plays in camp. And it's exciting, and we love the Bears, and we want to love those players. I just want to give context of what the thought was 
you know, 15 years ago because we kind of know how that turned out. Um, so there were some things like people were worried about Eddie Jackson, um, if he was going to be able to stay healthy since he was getting a, a surgery in his leg um, before he ever played it down. Um, Sounds kind of familiar, but not the leg. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so that's this week in history. Um, beyond that, let's move over to the Bears training camp position battle. Let's go. Okay, so we talked about the tackles and the offensive line a little bit. Uh, the depth chart is completely messed, but that's totally fine. Uh, we currently have four injured tackles, but hopefully they'll be healthy. Hopefully they're just being conservative and they'll be healthy by game time. I, I don't know. Hey, how many tackles do you carry on a 53-man roster <laughs> with four injured tackles? Right. It, oh, my gosh. It's possible we'll have more tackles on the roster than Eddie Jackson will have on a stat sheet. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, no, Bojack's great. Yeah, he's great. Um, one thing I want to talk to you about, so there's been a lot of hubbub about, you know, Tevin Jenkins. There's a lot of gamesmanship there of, like, Matt Nagy and Brian Pace being like, oh, yeah, he's fine. We're fired up about him. He's going to be great. And we're just taking a day-to-day, day-to-day, day And then one day they're like, yeah, he's not going to play this year. He has to go to – he's on an operating table right now, actually. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I – uh, you know, it – I know they can't share everything with us, but it, it certainly uh, challenges the trust when they say things, you know? Yeah. Do you personally think that gamesmanship, just in general, gamesmanship in summer camp uh, works or is effective? Like, one thing, one example I remember is um, they were super cagey about Tariq Cohen, and, like, some of the Bears beat writers were saying, like, you know, like, we can't really say anything, but, like, Tariq Cohen has shown some stuff. I think he's going to be a guy. And uh, he showed up the first game 2017 against, I think, the Falcons. It was a first-week opener. And he was incredible. And they didn't know what to do with him for, like, a quarter and a half. And then they, you know, like, okay, we're going to just basically make somebody... We're going to put a spot. Yeah, we're going to spot him for the rest of the game. And, like, I mean, he's still incredible. But it's like, so what, you kept all of these fans away from the joy of like seeing this guy in camp just to like have you know 15 minutes of surprise in game one like was that worth it i I hear you i was actually wondering where you're going with that because i don't know what a injury that's a back surgery there in particular what's what's the game (laughs) i mean are, are you trying to get teams to game plan for a tackle that hasn't ever played <laughs> like i i don't know i don't and i don't know what the what the move is there only for him to still not play right um yeah i really really am not sure um i'll i'll say like i'm glad that the news on justin fields was pretty optimistic meaning like he could probably p- play this weekend even though he may not um just because uh, a groin injury is scary to me. I feel like groin injuries heal so slowly, and I yeah. sure hope that it is not a nagging thing because I feel like that was the one that uh, took LeBron James out for like a season or half a season or whatever it was, and it was like the first major injury he had in like a 17-year career, you know, yeah. up to that point you're, or whatever he's in. I think you're thinking of Space Jam. I, oh, yeah, yeah. 
No, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Especially with somebody who is so athletic and can be so effective in that way. It's like, man, you have this amazing speed. Like, please let us use it. I don't want the toy to be broken on Christmas Day. Absolutely. Not Christmas Day. <laughs> let it break later. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, like at 33 years old. Is that what we talked about? 33? <laughs> <laughs> Although that was gruesome, I feel bad for saying that. <laughs> right, that would, yeah, it, it happens. Uh, another uh, one that pops up is John Fox's gamemanship about uh, basically everything ever, uh, from their play calling to personnel decisions. But a big one was uh, Pernell McPhee's injury in 2016. He uh, was basically saying that Pernell McPhee was day to day for the entire season, and it's like, what what advantage do you have? Like, all right, lineman. You know, you're going to have to block somebody unless you don't. It's like, I don't know. I, I don't think that's gamesmanship. I don't understand that. I, I understand gamesmanship. I don't understand that. Like I said, you know, I, I actually kind of get the Cohen thing, mm-hmm. uh, even though I think it's, I mean, to your point, it's a quarter. Like, it's a quarter of a football game, and it's also the first quarter. So, like, it's the game is not over. Right. And, uh, you know, but uh, I really, I mean... I really don't understand. And also, like, again, not to throw shade on any of the guys you're mentioning, but it's not like the the story is about Aaron Donald and the team having to, like, game plan for, like, triple teaming this guy the whole game. Like, that's not, that's not the story. Mm-hmm. The story is, like, the starter, you know, is going to be there, potentially. <laughs> right. I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I remember being flabbergasted because, uh, John Fox had this huge, you know, game of ship regime where you don't say anybody to anything. And then when they got rid of him, they were interviewing coaches. And one of them was uh, John D. Filippo, who I think now is the QB coach. And uh, he at the time was uh, QB coach and now offensive coordinator for the Eagles. And he had like a YouTube channel where he just broke down plays for the Eagles. Like, hey, here's this play we ran. Here's why it works. This is what we did. It was like so like... <laughs> just like yeah, like if you execute it well, they can't stop you, and they're not gonna know. <laughs> like you know, like we're gonna move on. Like <laughs> absolutely, it's so great. Like goddamn. Yes. Ah, oh, gosh, that is so funny. That's uh, yeah. That reminds me. Uh, if we if we have time here for a tangent, I was just talking to a basketball coach earlier today, yeah. and they were talking about good offense, and they're like, it's funny because if you have somebody that has the skill set good offense is just whatever the defense gives you and then you make the right decision the wrong decision is predetermining what you're going to do and now i know in football you have to predetermine what you're going to do a lot more but man you know if you set up this play and to your point if the play is called and the defense they don't know exactly what's going to come because if there's three different variations of that play if you just execute each one effectively what are they going to do like you know they have to guess essentially and if they're not guessing correctly you're going to win. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be a secret. It's just a guessing game for them. Right. And if they guess wrong, they lose. Yeah, exactly. And that was part of... Um, yeah, actually, it was kind of interesting. Part of the Justin Fields debate um, was he was criticized a little bit. I've heard this about kind of being too stoked in the pocket where he'd sit there and wait. And they're saying, oh, he needs to go through faster. He needs to get rid of the ball faster because... His they pulled up some metric. His release time was uh, lower compared to other top tier quarterbacks. Even knowing all of his other stats were like incredible, his average depth of throw, his completion percentage, deep, all his stuff was amazing. And it turns out his coaches came forward and basically said like, no, our 
offensive playbook is option routes for that exact reason. Like we're gonna we have all these options built into every single route so that we can, you know, see what the defense gives us and then work how to counteract that in the middle of the play. And so what Justin's doing is like standing tall and seeing what the option is going to be because he's not afraid of shit and he's going to stand up there and just, you know, and go through the field. He's not going to run. Absolutely. And uh, Justin Fields, uh, his college stats, if anyone's arguing against his college statistics, I don't, like in terms of football, uh, they didn't watch any college football. <laughs> I think he threw something like 65 touchdowns to nine interceptions, and all he did is win football games. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's hard to complain about his college resume. Right. And, yeah, and if he had to release it faster, I think, I mean, now this is just like an embarrassment of riches at Ohio State, but it's like, well, part of the reason he took a while is because he had all day. Um and he was able to, and they were able to do those kinds of routes and create huge chunks. I mean, he averaged over 10 yards an attempt for his college career. That's insane. That's insane. Per try. <laughs> not not per completion. Over 10 <laughs> yards per attempt. That's so absurd. It like, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we could spend the next six hours ranting about Justin Fields, and someday we might. Um, but one thing I do want to say, as long as we're in the composition battle section, I want to go through... Uh, kind of a Frankenstein piece of pe- piece by piece of a QB. You know, it's, this is gonna be uh, it's gonna be a segment. Bearweather friends, Frankenstein QB. Okay, so we are going to assemble in a lab the best components from every QB in Bears history. We'll go through with the easy one. If you had to pick the best legs, the fastest QB in Bears history, who would it be? Is it Justin Fields? I mean, I think it is, right? I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a small sample size, but I didn't. Did he do a forty? He did a pro day forty, and it was like four four five or something. It was under four. That's got to be the fastest. That's got to be the fastest quarterback we've ever had. It, that's insane. It's insane. I mean, and it showed too. Like in that first preseason game, he looked like he was just gliding past people. It was like, I, again, I felt bad for some of the linemen. I completely agree. There was like a couple times where I was like, ah, oh, he's. Look, to your point, he's in the pocket. I I don't know if he sees them. He's about to get hit. Bloop, ten yard gain, mm-hmm. and it didn't even seem that close to a sack. Right. Uh, it just seemed like he felt the pressure and then was the fastest, most athletic person in the area, and he just went and got yards, or in one case, a touchdown. Right. Yeah. Exactly. God, that touchdown was so awesome. Um, we'll do another episode that's just us sighing as we watch that replay over and over. But, Absolutely. Yeah, literally, like I would love to look at the stats for everyone's combine. I guess there was no combine this year, but um, everyone's 40 times. Because I swear to God, the fastest guy in the field was the quarterback, which is just absurd because he's also 6'4", and like it shouldn't be. No, he, he is really, really fast. I agree. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think through Bears quarterbacks. I don't – I mean, because the thing is, and I'm, I'm trying to not suffer from recency bias mm-hmm. – but I feel like Mitch was like the second fastest quarterback we've had. It was really fast, and I—I I mean, he's—I don't think he's on Justin Fields' level of speed. Mm-mm. But you're right. He—he's a—he's very fast. He's a damn good athlete and a really good, um, like, rushing threat. That he like had good vision and all that. He, um, yeah, I mean, he was a good rushing threat. I wish we did more of that, but. Damn it, Bob. What are you we have doing? to save him for our future. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. 
So uh, Mitch's forty time, I think, was four six. Google's saying it's four six seven. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like that sounds right. I would have guessed four six, and that's why I-, I seriously think that's the second fastest, at least that I can remember. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, okay. Yeah, Jay Cutler. I'll take Justin Fields' legs. Yeah, um, a few other notable ones. Um, Jay Cutler was four seven, another good athlete, but not on the level of Justin Fields. Um, some other notable QBs in Bears history with rushing threats were uh, Bobby Douglas, who is one of the most fascinating QBs in all of NFL history, but definitely Bears history. He's just a crazy dude. But um, then there's also uh, Henry Burris, who went to the CFL and um, became, oops, uh, joined the CFL Hall of Fame pretty recently, if, you, if that name rings. Okay, right. yeah, you're, you're dropping names I don't remember <laughs> at this point. I don't know why anyone would know Henry Burris, but yeah. Um, Bobby Douglas played for the Bears just uh, 69 through 75, so just right up your alley. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, yeah, he was... <laughs> I, I'm no, I'm nowhere near the historian you are. <laughs> what, what useful information I have for you, huh? Um, yeah, if anyone is bored, please just Google Bobby Douglas Bears and just read his Wikipedia page and be like, what? He, like... He uh, let's see. He set the record for the most rushing yards by a QB in a season in 1972. That record stood for 34 years. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> let's see. Uh, in a 14-game season, he rushed for 968 yards and eight touchdowns. Anyway, this is not what we're here to talk about. Um, but yeah. But how fast was he? I don't know. Because it sounds like he was just a running back. He, he basically was. Yeah, he was a running back that took snaps. They basically just did the wildcat for a full season. Yeah. But, uh, so maybe that doesn't really count. But, okay, so we're doing our Bears quarterback Frankenstein monster. Who do you think has the strongest arm of any Bears quarterback you've seen? Hmm. I mean, it's not Mitch. I don't think so. He's a strong arm, but I don't... He does. I feel like Jay had a decent arm. I feel like... Rex Grossman had a decent arm in terms of just arm strength. Mm-hmm. Um, although, I mean, you know, I know this other guy that that throws a really pretty deep ball. His name is Justin Fields, and I just don't know how far <laughs> is, how far can he throw that. That's a thing, uh, and again, recency bias. But like, yeah, the fact that he's even in contention for all of them is like. This is what I'm kind of getting at. But, yeah, I mean, Jay Cutler Absolutely. Had, had a really good arm. Um, but, man, Justin Fields, it's just like a – yeah, he, he's got an incredible arm. He's at least in the maybe category, right, for, like, biggest arm in Bears history? Yeah, I, I don't – I mean, I think they measure that at the Combine, too, don't they? Like, how far can he throw that football? Can he can he throw it to the end zone from, like, his own 35? Right. Because that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, he um, was in a Twitter video recently that I can probably share um, – but he was seen at practice chucking it about 60 yards. It made 65. Yeah, that's really far. Yeah. That's really far. 60, 65 yards, that would have been my guess. Um, and that's a cannon. That's such a big arm. And and I think one thing that definitely needs to be on there, besides just having a big arm, is being able to put that big arm on a target downfield. Um, so not just in a Hail, Hail Mary play, you know, once a season. But... Um, Again, not to not to hate on Mitch too much, but like he had a really big arm and 
he didn't always hit guys over the top. And I've heard a lot more uh, good things about Justin Fields over the top and his deep ball accuracy and the his completion percentage on you know throws where the ball carries at least 30 yards in the air or whatever else. Like just just incredible on those throws. Um, not to mention just the overall arm strength to be able to toss it that far. Right. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. His college performance is just like like you and I playing Madden. Be like, wait, what happened here? Like, yeah, he got carried yeah. away. He turned the difficulty down too low. It's fine. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, pure athleticism, pure arm strength. His accuracy is great. Um, Decision-making is... I think at worst to be determined, but his, again, like you said, his interception rate in college was stupid. It was stupid. It absolutely was. So it's like, you know, the best, or at least the most productive quarterback in Bears history is Jay Cutler, um, who was known to maybe not be as safe. I agree. I agree with that. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, the this is a long-winded way of me saying, like, not only is Justin a really exciting QB, and not only is he, like, really impressive, but he is arguably of a tier and skill set. I mean, he's definitely of a tier and skill set that we've just never seen before as Bears fans. Like, it's his athleticism, all the the package. But even, it's like each individual component he has is arguably in the best ever. And then it's all in the same person. It's crazy. I, yeah, it- you know, just because we're we're talking about exactly what you're talking about, decision making. Um, did you hear about uh, when Justin Fields took that like sports psychologist uh, football aptitude test? Oh no! Did you hear about this? No. Oh my gosh! So it, this popped up when I was looking at him on the on the draft and post draft and stuff. Um, so. I have it pulled up right now on uh, Bears Wire, but uh, it's talking about how uh, Dr. Goldman, a sports psychologist, created this test for professional athletes, uh, and it was given to over 6,500 pros. Sports aptitude test, okay? Uh, And let's see. It says right here, According to Mark Sanchez, the former quarterback. I remember Marky Mark, yeah. Yep, yep. Fields scored the highest rating ever administered by this doctor. Jesus. Uh, like, he, he... Highest rating ever on this mental aptitude test. It's, uh, it's right here on Bears Wire. Um, and I did hear it on other sources as well, that he just, like... You know, it says two different things on this site. So it says top score, and then the next one says top one percent. Either way, this thing's supposed to be a football IQ test, and he and he was Albert Einstein. <laughs> um, so not only is he the fastest guy with the biggest arm, and he has this incredible accuracy, but this football aptitude test, he just dominated. That's absurd. I'm like, I'm like sweating. I'm getting the vapors right now. Just. So it says, for comparison's sake, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen scored a 108. Fields scored a 130. Wow. And yeah, Mahomes is the golden boy. What I know, like Andy Reid has said, how brilliant Patrick Mahomes is. How he has a photographic memory of every single play. And he's one of the smartest players he's ever coached. Hearing him talk, I would not come to that conclusion. I'm with you. 
<laughs> Most little little kind of Muppet Kermit thing going, but uh, what do I know? Yeah, but I mean, but then you might say, oh, well, that's different than football IQ, which I could see. Sure. And then you'd go, well, guess what? Justin Fields beat him on the football IQ test, not the not the right. Patrick's opinion after a postgame interview, but the football IQ test. Absolutely absurd. <laughs> like I have not found a legitimate gripe against this kid, except for like I said, my own hyper critical. Because my bar, by the way, just for complete transparency for everybody, is that he's throwing, you know, four touchdowns to zero interceptions every single time he steps on the field, which is clearly an impossible <laughs> ask. But that's. That's what I expect of this kid. Sure, it's exciting, man. And who knows? Maybe I'll have another podcast a couple years from now. I'm like, hey, do you know this week uh, in 2021 we said that Justin Fields is the best quarterback we've ever seen? But I don't know, man. He's really exciting. Um, okay, this started off as going by position here, so might as well keep going. Uh, the tight end battle. This is we should have ended on Justin Fields. That's so much more exciting. It's all good. I I'm sorry. I. Uh... Keep tangent. I keep making tangents over to him. <laughs> can you can you tell that he's in my dreams at night right now? <laughs> Every time I think about him, I hear it's getting hot in here in my head. I, um, <laughs> I need cold water. And you said tight ends, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's. So yeah, position battle here. Uh, tight ends. Um, so today in practice. Uh, Looks like uh, Chicago Audible said that Jesper Horstead was just destroying. He had like three or four touchdowns. Um, he is someone who has not shown that he's a starting caliber player in the past. Um, similarly, Jess- Jesse James has had a connection with uh, Justin Fields. He's just tore it up, torn up um, Adam Hogan, Adam John. Let's have a podcast called Hogan Johns. And they've talked a lot about how that Jesse James Fields connection is huge and they. Uh, just see, yeah, basically see James come down with the ball over and over. Um, similarly, I was looking back at articles from 2017, I saw them praise uh, Trubisky and Shaheen for that connection that, you know, hopefully would happen for years to come, and that Shaheen was running all over the Bears' defense. Um, there's a bigger conversation we had there, but do you think, like, training camp and that kind of practice favors tight ends in some way? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, again, I'll say, you know, I feel like I feel like I have to feel like you felt four or five years ago with Mitch. Like I'm so in on Justin Fields um, that I think like that connection to James is really important. And like, I think that is a difference maker, especially if he takes over, you know, in in this season at some point. Um, I don't know how, you know, training camp would necessarily favor tight ends over other position groups. I mean, maybe because they're trying to avoid hits or something because they're huge, but I just, I, I, I don't have a, a good rationalization for that. I mean, I, I could believe that the, you know, five years ago situation, like you were saying, looked pretty good in practice and preseason and stuff because, um, Mitch couldn't get touched in practice, so he could stand in the pocket a lot more comfortably and make those throws. And then when it, you know, when the rubber hit the road, that didn't—that's not what it looked like because now people are smoking you. And, and I'm not saying people aren't going to hit Justin Fields. I'm just saying he seems to have much more composure in the pocket, so it might translate better um, come actual game time. Sure. Yeah, I, that's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought about of uh, 
the QB's not allowed to be hit, or yeah, the tight ends are huge, who knows. Um, yeah, I was reading a, an old article from uh, 2017 um, talking about how um, this week, I guess whether it was uh, four years ago, um, they had the joint practice with the Broncos, and uh, the t- Adam Shaheen, the tight end, was just running all over the Broncos' defense. He was crushing it. They had that connection, and um, I wasn't really sure what to make about that, although Adam Hogan and Adam Johns in their podcast this week said that the um, the Dolphins-Bears joint practice uh, – Adam Shaheen was running all over the Bears defense, which is like, hmm, I haven't seen him run over him much of anybody recently. So it's, it's I saw the same stuff, not from that podcast, but I did see that he was crushing the Bears. <laughs> That's so great. It's like hard to know what to make of that, but I think it's interesting. And one thing I'll say for Jesse James, like he doesn't have that draft pedigree. It's hard to know what to make of him, but one way to look at it is that Justin Fields is a good enough QB that he just sees a big guy and can turn him into someone who's open. Like, I'm going to throw you open, you're big enough that I, you know, I'm accurate enough and you're big enough that I'm going to make this a guaranteed completion against the twos. I, I, I feel that. I, um, I'm also a big believer that certain NFL players can lift up those around them and make people that are, you know, we'll say serviceable starters turn into thousand yard receivers. Um, and then I feel like you see that with a lot of guys that are like perfect fits in certain situations and then get traded and you're like, what happened to them? I swear yeah. they just had a, a hundred receptions for a thousand yards last season and now they're a nobody. And it's like, well, it's because it was part of a bigger picture there. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. No, I can see that for sure. Yeah, so it's hard to tell. Um, yeah, like I said, Jesper Horstead had a really good day today. Um, and in general, has gotten his name uh, called out quite a few times in a way that I don't really know what to make of it because in his limited time playing, I think he has he doesn't have much on the statue. Uh, Jimmy Graham also is apparently playing pretty well, and I think it's just great that he's getting out of the house, you know, for an old guy. Um, Absolutely, man, he was good in his prime. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, were you alive back then, or? <laughs> I mean, I think we were, <laughs> but uh, I mean. What was it? It was just him and Drew Brees lighting the world on fire? or uh, Yeah. Where was he? Yeah, my memory was that he was at the Packers before us and then the Seahawks before that. And then you're, I'm sure you're right that he was with the Saints before I think that. it was the Saints, yeah, when he was good. <laughs> I mean, he's still he's still an NFL tight end, so right. if I see him out. <laughs> yeah. But just uh, do yourself a favor and never look up his contract because you'll just like die a little bit inside. Um, I, I believe that. I believe that. Uh, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> I think like, Hey, I'm just glad that Ryan Pace is doing well. I think he had a substance abuse issue, like the maybe spring of 2020 that resulted in, uh, him giving contracts to like anybody that called him basically. It was like, yeah, Nicole's. yeah. Do you think they were just based on Jersey sales? You got contract based on like big time <laughs> names that used to be good. Yeah. Yeah. For a guy who focused on like youth for so long in his career to sign Nick Foles, Jimmy Graham and Robert Quinn in the same offseason, like the same week basically, and give them a combined like $35 million. It's like, Wow. Absolutely. And Robert Quinn seems like he should be a really good player. I feel like a guy that hasn't panned out just yet and hasn't all lined up. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. He seems he's a very talented guy. And uh, again, if like you said, if we see him out and about, 
Hey. Yeah. These are all jokes. Big fan. <laughs> Huge fan. <laughs> um, quarter battle just briefly. So uh, Jalen Johnson was a rookie who emerged last season. I am really excited about Kendall Vildor. Uh, it's hard to tell who the what the depth is going to look like. Um, yeah, I have no much to say about that other than it'll be interesting to see that battle. I agree. I don't know much about it. I just know uh, Jalen Johnson's the name that I keep seeing pop up. He's making a lot of steps in the right direction, even though he's a sophomore, not a rookie. Mm-hmm. But no, man, it's uh, there's something to that. Yeah, it's uh, compared to like um, what's his name, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, who is like a solid, you know, depth player who's been on the team forever. Um, yeah, there's a few. We'll see how that shakes out. Um, the running back mm-hmm. situation, I think, is pretty interesting. Um, I keep going back to Chicago Audible, but I think they're a pretty great resource. Uh, they're reporting that Tariq had bulked up quite a bit. He looked strong, but that he was still walking really stiffly. Uh, apparently, one of the local trainers said he um, was walking with lots of midfoot striking, whatever that means. So... Yeah, midfoot striking just means that you're hitting the ground flat-footed, I believe. Okay. Um, like as opposed to, but they said walking like that. Yeah, said he was walking with a lot of midfoot striking. That's weird. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I. So we'll see. They said, yeah, he mostly just looks stiff, and it it doesn't seem like he's going to be himself soon. But um, I don't know. He's such an exciting dude. I just <laughs> just hope he's. He okay. really is. Uh, let's see, so David Montgomery, um, Ryan Pace had an interview with Adam Hogam Johns, talked about how um, David Montgomery has gained a lot of speed in the offseason. That's something he specifically worked on. That's something that a lot of beat reporters have said. Like, Dave, David Montgomery looks fast. Um, same with his route running, and he said his ability to kind of run out of the backfield and go for passes is, like, really improved. There, A lot of people are really excited about him, so that's kind of cool. Uh, quick little plug. It's kind of funny. I'm... 90% sure that David Montgomery is the running back that uh, was using a local uh, speed uh, coach to get faster in the offseason. And I've been to his clinics and stuff as a sprint coach. Oh. And uh, I've, like, seen him talk and all this stuff and, like, work, you know, a few degrees of separation away from him. But but uh, definitely know of him a lot. Uh, and was he was working with him in the offseason. So, uh, it's it's funny to to know that guy that he was working with. That's great. His man. name is Chris Corfist. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, so if Montgomery doesn't pan out this season, you know who to whose house to egg. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Khalil Herbert is another running back who, and it's hard to tell. You know, in the camp, uh, everyone's considerably healthier. They're not battering each other up as much. But Khalil Herbert's somebody who. Um, a lot of camp buzz has been that he's been playing really well, so that'll be interesting. Um, one more. Well, let's talk about the defensive line, which is, in my opinion, the strongest unit in the Bears, <laughs> the Bears roster. What do you think? I I completely agree. Um, yeah, easily the bread and butter of the Bears is the D line, and I'll go ahead and say that. Um, when we talked before about O line maybe being the most important position group in football, not necessarily individual player, but 
group, and if QB is you know the most important player and maybe the second most important group as an individual, which is insane, I gotta believe the defensive line is right after that. Uh, the lines are just so important in football, and having a good D line is why the Bears could be good this year, um, because their D line could be the best in football. You heard it here first, Coach Bob. <laughs> Boom with fire. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, yeah, obviously, I mean, yeah, the depth is great. Uh, everyone from, you know, Bilal Nichols, uh, Akeem Hicks is, like, otherworldly. Um, He's so good. I don't think most Bears fans realize how good he is. Yeah, it's a, and it's like, I don't want to compare people because, like, I just want to enjoy them for their own merit. But for my money, like, as much coverage as, like, Aaron Donald get, Akeem Hicks is, like, really close. And he... He is. He is close. Yeah. I, I know. I know. It's insane. It's, yeah, it's, um, man, he's had a hell of a career, the Bears, and uh, I don't know what the future holds for him, but um, god damn, he's fun to watch. He just, like, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's because the, the inside linemen on the defensive end, they don't do the sexy stuff. They don't get all the sacks. They eat up blocks, and Akeem Hicks eats up two blocks on so many plays. And then everyone else looks so good. Yeah, he is such an awesome football player. Mm-hmm. And it's like such a a Bears thing. Like I'm not going to be fancy. I'm not going to get the big name. I'm just going to be blue collar, coming and do my job. <laughs> like that's like so Bears. It's like it is. And I also was super happy when he got his contract because yeah. his last contract was pretty good. And I was like, ah, good for them. They paid the guy that did the dirty work. Yep. And man, is he good. And the Bears are so much better with him. Yes, sir. Yeah, that was uh, the biggest bummer last season when he was injured. It was, uh, yeah, he seems to be good this year. Um, camp has been good for him. One more D lineman. Actually, I want to take a brief tangent because I think this is important. Uh, are you familiar with the War of the Worlds? Uh, the movie. Yes. Yes. Are you familiar with how it ends? I'm the. Um, I mean, I watched it. Yeah. So the, I gotta the, think about how long ago. Yeah, I'm sure I did. So the twist is point. aliens come down to Earth. Um, yeah, yeah. They invade, and it turns out like, oh, these uh, they're all killed by viruses because it turns out like existing on Earth, uh, you have to compete with these microbes at all times. And like, if you're an yeah. alien, not used to them, great. Um, there's also been a lot of buzz in 2020. Like, the government came out and said, like, yeah, there's like UFOs. Like, we, there's like aliens. So we don't know. <laughs> like, literally, it's it's worth googling. But so the point I'm getting at is 2020. We saw UFOs. We also did not see Eddie Goldman. Is Eddie Goldman an alien? Oh, I like this take. I like this take. Uh, as as somebody who thinks there's got to be aliens, I could see it. Yeah. <laughs> I could see Eddie Goldman being an alien. <laughs> well, we know for a fact, like, Earth gravity does not affect him the same way it does normal humans. He, like, he just yeah talk about like space eating blocker he just like gobbles up the entire line absolutely so yeah i mean there are a lot of clues i don't want to derail the entire podcast but definitely yeah there's the whole world of worlds 2020 bit there's a fact that when he went missing the government came out and said they saw ufos there's the fact that Nagy said that called out eddie goldman specifically saying do you know how hard it is to get hold of eddie goldman but like what he's he's giving us a hint there saying he's not on this planet i can't get a hold of him which is why that's incredible he's a mystery uh the bears even came out with a tiktok video this year the question being do aliens exist and they interviewed all the players except eddie goldman 
They're trying to see if they're suspicious. I love it. I love it. You know what? If if he has a uh, counterpart as an alien, it's got to be the other bears lineman that didn't uh, follow the rules of gravity on Earth. And that's that dude that we drafted just because he jumped out of a pool. <laughs> Whoever that guy was. The pool jumper. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no clue where he's at, but for whatever reason, that didn't translate to uh, yeah. unbelievable football <laughs> acumen. Well, he's certainly not in a pool. I can tell you that much. Yeah, I can tell you that, too. And if he is, he can get out of there in a hurry. <laughs> uh, Jaron Gilbert. Oh, you're on it. Look at you. Third round draft pick in 2009. Damn. Uh, great use for that. <laughs> but boy, could he jump out of water. I mean, and I'll tell you what, I was impressed. I was just about as impressed when I saw that uh, as when I saw Terry Cohen do a backflip and catch two footballs at the same time. Okay, that was yeah. That's a different like <laughs> that's a different caliber. Like the pool jump it's is insane. Ha-ha, but Tariq is like, you're incredible, Tariq. <laughs> oh my god, you can't accidentally do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty much. We talked a little bit about the different positions, wide receivers will be interesting, cornerbacks, but. Um, I think that's like all I really want to talk about with the position group, and we're welcome to the official Bear Weather fans interview of the esteemed, the incredible, the unstoppable Keem Hicks. Akeem, how are you doing? That is just so great to hear, man. I'm a huge fan. I'm gonna get right down to it. Akeem, you are a nine-year NFL vet. You've made the Pro Bowl. you played in the playoffs. You've established yourself as one of the best in the game. What are your personal goals for the rest of your career? That's great to hear. Now, you have one of the rarest combinations of size, strength, speed, technique, and smarts of the game that Bears fans have ever seen. What's your training secret? Interesting. Now, there are a lot of reports that have said that with Sean decide that the Bears' defense, especially the line, that they're starting to play like they have more of a swagger back. Is there any truth to that? Mm. Mm, interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, now, I know you're a busy guy, and but fans have been relentless about this. I, I have to ask, is there any truth that you are appearing on the next season of The Bachelor? <laughs> Okay. Well, look out for that then. Akeem, thank you so No, thank you. Hey, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much, and good luck this season. Let's see. Do you have any predictions? You know what? We're going to go to our next segment here. It's going to call Going Deep. I love the title of this segment. <laughs> going Deep is where we look ahead, see what's on the horizon. Uh, do you have any picks for this season as somebody who's really going to have like a huge season you're like oh this is a career year for this guy um i don't have any super like unknown hot takes yeah. i mean word on the street is darnell Mo- darnell mooney is going to be a absolute freak show and I-, I could totally see that especially playing alongside um robinson um uh like you know if you're not getting the number one corner and you're that fast and you're blow the top off the defense fast 
and then you know at some point a guy like Justin Fields comes in and even like you know we've really scooted over Andy Dalton as if he wasn't an NFL starting caliber player but like I, I don't hate the way Andy Dalton throws a deep ball either so I think both of them can just take advantage of him uh, being that good and his route running I've heard is incredible and just come a long way and I'm excited to see what he does um, now that's on that end um, if Akeem Hicks is healthy I feel like Khalil Mack's going to go back to defensive player of the year candidate caliber player. Um, I think his play is very tied to Hicks because, like I said, Hicks does all that dirty work, and then uh, Mack can find more gaps and you know really blow up plays when Akeem Hicks is playing. And I feel like when Hicks is playing, you just can't guard everybody. You know, you can't block everybody. Sorry, um, but. Uh, when he was out, Max struggled more. He faced way more double team stuff like that. So I, I'd say those two, but those are—I mean—they're already pretty big names. But I, I'm going to make the claim that Cleo Mack goes from being a good, very good defender back to Defensive Player of the Year candidate, and Darnell Mooney makes a step up to, you know, high-profile wide receiver that we have to have a conversation about: Are we going to pay him, or is he going to leave to be a wide receiver number one somewhere else? Interesting. Bob with the hot takes, Khalil Mack will be good. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, like I said, defensive player of the year. Guy. Oh right, no, that yeah, I would take that. God, having DPOY in the same year as uh, Justin Fields would be just man. We're we're getting ourselves in the ladder here, but um, well, it's because we're going to the Super Bowl. Right? <laughs> let's go, man. Let's go. <laughs> um, I wanted um, this is so self-serving of me, but I'm pulling up uh, the Bear with the Fans blog. Uh, this is from, I think, week two. Yeah, week two of last season. So Darnell Moody has played maybe one game at this point. Um, I wrote... Uh, he's got quick. He's, you know, he's quick. He has good hands. He's connected. Um, if he en- ends up being able to play and stay healthy, he could be the best wide receiver drafted by the Bears in my lifetime. I wrote that week two. That's uh, that's how amazing That's incredible. <laughs> Look at you. And at first it seems like, wow, like, you know, he must look really good. But I'd like to, if I could, turn your eyes towards the Bears receiving leaders of the past 20 years. Uh, I'm going to give you the number one receiving leader, unless you think you know it. Is it Mushin Muhammad? Oh, that's a good guess. He is not, but that is, uh, he's up there. So the past 20 years... Uh, I'll give. I'm actually. This is unfair. I'm just going to tell you what they are, and then I want you to just give me your honest opinion. This sounds All good. All right. So uh, from 2012 to 2016, Alshon Jeffrey uh, has uh, looks like I think 4,500 yards, and then okay. the second leader for the Bears in receiving yards the past 20 years is noted receiver Matt Forte. Oh, Matt Forte is not a surprise. <laughs> I can't believe Alshon Jeffrey is the leader after four seasons. Isn't that insane? Or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's so offensive. Yep, 20 years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, what seemed like a huge hot take was actually like, man, if he just stays on the team. Like <laughs> well, I, I was going to say the one thing that I always love about you is that the piece of that qualifier, the, the piece of that hot take was the qualifier if he stays healthy and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, because, yeah, you know, when it flakes out, it's like, oh, he got hurt. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I told you if he got hurt, he wasn't going to make it. <laughs> and, like, that's such a built-in cop because the injury rate in the NFL is 100%. Like, oh, yeah, yes. he had a nagging toe yeah. injury. That's why. Absolutely. 
Well, at least you didn't write that about Kevin White. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Unless you did, in which case, oh boy. Dude, Bears going to have two first-round picks? Uh, we're going to start that meme with Tevin Jenkins next year. Like, oh yeah, Bears get yeah. two second-round picks this year. Yes. Okay, we're going in with our going deep segment, looking ahead. We talked about who's going to be good. Let's talk about next week, actually this Saturday. Um, Bears versus Bills, the Trubisky revenge game. Uh, what What do you think is going to happen? Man, I, <laughs> I wish that Justin Fields was going to play in this game, and maybe he does, mm. but just because... Uh, well, and also, I, ho- I hope Trubisky does play in this game because didn't he not play in their first preseason game? Like he got zero snaps. He played none at all. He did play, and he tossed it like twice. Oh, he did. He didn't do. Oh, okay, yeah. Game. So he had two attempts. Yeah. Sorry, he did have two attempts. Yeah. yeah. So, but I just mean for a QB two to have two attempts, that was shocking yeah, to me for sure. Um, where it feels like Justin Fields is like preparing to be a QB one, and he got twenty. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, I would have loved to see them kind of duel back and forth selfishly as a Bears fan yeah. just to you know like you like you where you said you know you watched their first game as a bear in the preseason to compare you know apples to apples and it's not always going to be the lines are different all that stuff but you know just to see them compete against each other um so I'm still you know obviously his health is a priority but if boy would it be a treat if they could duel each other I would not be surprised if uh Mitchell Trubisky is solid you know I think the Bills team is good um I think he's got a pretty good role model in uh, – why am I blanking on him? Oh, Josh Allen. Um, jo- yeah, Allen. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, stud, stud, MVP candidate. I th- he was like – I think he was like top few in MVP votes. Was he second to Aaron Rodgers? Oh, that sounds right. It was something like that. I mean, but that's insane. Um, yeah. And – yeah. Yeah, I, I just, you know, and they are similar players. It feels like kind of the, the scheme, the plan is all fit for a pretty athletic, get-outside quarterback. Um, I, you know, and I, I think for the Bills, I think they may, especially because it's a preseason game, like there's no reason to have training wheels on. You know what I mean? Like this guy's not a first-year quarterback. At this point, he's on a second contract. There's absolutely nothing to lose in terms of, like, if the game goes sideways, it doesn't actually matter all that much. So right. you can open up the playbook with him a little bit. And, and like, I do think the Bears probably should have done that a little more. I understand why they didn't. But I'm just saying, like, the risks aren't nearly as damaging in a preseason game. So there's a chance he looks pretty darn good and gives us a little bit of envy. Um, but, I mean, to your previous point about the all-time leader in receiving yards being uh, Jeffrey, uh I mean, Mitchell Trubisky's not too far down on the all-time quarterback lists in Chicago history, I got to believe, just because, I mean, and maybe not all-time, but didn't he have, like, a wasn't his single season, like, one of the best we've ever had? He had, like, a season of, like, 3,200 yards, which is so pedestrian, and it's, like, incredible <laughs> for a Bears quarterback. Yeah, for Bears standards, for sure. His 2018 was real good. His 2019 wasn't bad, all things considered. But, yeah, I, I just mean, like, I feel like his overall quarterback rating over the few year stretch his his record was 29 and 21 um you know he was he was a solid quarterback for the bears um granted they had an unbelievable defense that carried him to 29 wins but <laughs> right um yeah I, I mean i could see him being okay um but boy would i like to watch those two compete against each other for a while 
That'd be pretty fun. Yeah, so Trubisky, for those at home keeping score, he is the fifth all-time in Chicago Bears for passing yards. Yeah, fifth. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. He didn't even make it through a rookie co- or like a rookie contract, and that's it. Right. Right? I mean, geez, fifth all-time. Yeah, same with touchdowns, too. Yeah, and I, what I will say, you know, I'm biased, man. I, I still hurt for him, man. I hope he's eating his vegetables. I hope he's doing good. Um, no, but, like, with Mitch, he is not – I guess he's a bust, but he's not an outright, like, Jamarcus Russell, like, oh, this dude, like, couldn't play football. He's not good enough to warrant the draft we used on him. He's maybe not a starting caliber QB in the NFL, or if he is, it's, like, bottom ten. But um, there are games where you're like, oh, yeah, that's why the draft – you know, like, he has this weird um, – kind of Kirk Cousinsy thing where he does really well against bad teams. <laughs> so like absolutely. He's kind of like built for the preseason where it's like, oh, it's a second team defense and all I can do is play, you know, man coverage underneath, like yeah, he's going to torch that. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, he I agree with you there. He is not a total total bust. I mean, you look at certain things and you say he's not a bust at all and you look at other things and say, well, that's a bust. Like if you say we took him second overall at quarterback, and then after his rookie contract, he got a $1 million contract <laughs> right. to be a backup for a guy in the MVP conversation where the answer is no, he will never get the job. Like, you know, a lot of people would say, ooh, that's a, yeah, that's done. But, like all of the other things we just said, I mean, to your point, like, he had seasons where he brought us to the playoffs and we were 29 21 under you know with him under center and that's you know that's with him as a, a rookie with gosh so little experience even in college so little experience so yeah. um no it's it's not it's not all bad with him and yeah I, i'll say like i wouldn't be surprised if fields did play that mitch outplays him in this game uh just being that much further along in his football career but at the same time based on our Frankenstein thing from before I would gladly take Justin Fields over Mitchell Trubisky right now and I think that's not a hot take by anybody a lot of teams even the ones that passed on Justin Fields I'm I'm reading you know they are upset that they passed on him and uh you know the whole league passed on Mitch and free agency so yep that man there's going to be an ESPN 30 for 30 someday about, like, why the hell did all these teams pass on Justin Fields? But Absolutely. Yeah, I I think we got to go out on that. Um, I do hope, whatever happens, it doesn't really matter. Like, if Trubisky does look better, it doesn't matter. He probably won't, but if he does, it's, it's whatever. Um, yeah, I guess... That's where I want to go out. I hope it's a good game, and uh, I hope Justin Fields goes in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Just like, come on. We called Darnell Mooney off game two. We can't do this off of the second preseason game? Absolutely. I mean, he hasn't had it. He hasn't had that second game yet, but <laughs> when he does, we'll all know for sure. Right. <laughs> well, Coach Bob, I think we're at the end of our segment. Uh, is there anything you need to plug? I was just going to say to um, all those listening, if you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, to please uh, do so. That uh, you're, you know, saving life maybe of somebody who can't get vaccinated. And uh, there's a CDC uh, CDC hotline you can call if you ever have any questions or concerns about the vaccine that they can talk you through what the facts are. Um, that's it. Bob, you got anything to say before we head out? No, I'll second that one. That sounds great. I am with you on that. Um, I feel like every person I've talked to that said that 
you know, they heard they shouldn't take the vaccine. It was from somebody that was not a doctor. <laughs> and the people that are telling them to would be the doctors. So that's who I will listen to on this one uh, as I am fully vaccinated. And if they tell me I need a booster in however many months, and when I say they, I mean the doctors, I will go do that as well. Hell yeah. All right. Coach Bob, thank you so much. Everybody, have a good one.